impact and thick spec, this is Founders Anonymous, the podcast that helps you move your business up a gear. I'm your host, David Trott. And I'm Chris Lees. Autumn is here, the nights are drawing in, and Chris is slowly changing into his winter plumage. That means we're back with another episode of Founders Anonymous, the podcast where we explore and explode some of the biggest issues facing business owners today. Coming up this week, time management and to-do lists. We're all so busy, 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 busy. Too much to do and not enough time. But is that really the case? We take a closer look at the monster that stalks us through both day and night, the task list. Social breakdown. We turn our laser focus and razor sharp wit on yet another nugget forced out of the rear canal of social media. With me is my co-host Chris Lees. How are things with you? Uh, things are great. I had a really, really good weekend this last weekend. I saw two things uh, that I, I absolutely enjoyed thoroughly. The first is the new Bond movie. Cool. Very, very good. Highly recommend it. Everybody needs to go and see it. I cannot tell you anything about the plot because it's a bit of a cliffhanger. Okay. I have to say. Uh, but it's very, very good. And uh, the second thing was Back to the Future, the musical, which I know, David, you are really excited to go and see as well. But honestly, yeah. the Adelphi Theatre in London is fantastic. It really right. is good. Cool. Okay. I'm, I think I'm allergic to musicals. So I might, I might give that one a miss. Okay. Even Mamma Mia? You sure? Oh, Jesus. so everybody knows that the only person who didn't struggle with time management in this world was louis armstrong so last week david and i you you, we talked about uh tracking our time and trying to work out uh what we're actually spending our time on yeah and we set ourselves a bit of a challenge uh we both downloaded a time tracking app on our phones for the last week we have been tracking everything that we've been doing uh during our days Uh, And now it's time for the big reveal uh, when we show each other our phones for the very first time and show each other what we've actually been spending our time on. So, David, I'll go first. I've been tracking uh, essentially uh, all of my activities in just general buckets of, you know, I'm sleeping, I'm eating, I'm doing work and stuff like that. Okay, let's see. Right. Okay. So the first thing that jumps out here is you've tracked literally everything. Yep. Right. So uh, in in a move that will come as absolutely zero surprise to anyone that listens to this podcast, you've been a lot more thorough with this than I have. Okay. Right. So I only tracked my my working day. I didn't track how often I slept or ate or all of that sort of stuff. So in an average working week, you're spending a third of your time asleep. Is Which sleeping. is what people say, right? You should get about eight hours of sleep every night. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's very healthy. Well done. Awesome. Um, you're spending more than that working. 39.6% is spent working. So how many, how many hours a day do you reckon you work? I'd probably say, yeah, you know, eight, nine, ten hours a day, something like that is yeah. not unusual, I'd say, for a working day. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, sure. What is genuinely astonishing for me, is that you're only spending two hours watching TV yeah, in a I've, week. Yeah, I've that- completely and totally knocked TV out of my, out of my calendar because wow. it just, for me, it seems like a bit of dead time. Wow. Okay. So you haven't caught up on Squid Game on Netflix or any of... I, I've any- never even heard of Squid Game. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> um, and then you're spending a good four and a half hours eating, which sounds like gloriously indulgent. I, oh, lo- yeah. I, I love the sound of that. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean... Yeah, this this feels pretty. In terms of like, I guess what I'm looking at here is like a life breakdown rather than a work breakdown, isn't it? Yes. This is just how yeah. you apportion yourself to different areas of your life. Take a look at mine. 
All right. which is which is wildly different. Okay, so y- yours has a very large segment. So first of all, it looks as if you are only tracking stuff uh, during the working day, which is what you said before, yeah, right? Sure. And and you've broken this down based on the type of work that you're doing. So there's a very large segment here, 62% of client work. So it's co- contracts actually executing on the work that you're being paid to do yeah, for customers. Yeah. And then there's um, a smaller percentage, but it is the second largest of client work extras. So this is where you go above and beyond for your customers. You're not really on the clock, but you're still doing it on behalf of customers anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the third largest segment, um, and we're down to you know a reasonably small amount of time now where you're doing business development, which is you actually moving your business forward. Yeah. First of all, it's very interesting that we tracked our time differently in terms of the categorization that we that we um, looked at. But it also suggests that you are spending your time, you're, you're swapping your time for money. Yeah. Right, you know that's what you're doing, and whether there's opportunities there to perhaps outsource some of those elements to let you focus on the on the business development areas, which are really the, the core to expanding your business. Yeah, sure. And I, I guess what what I find really interesting is is trying to separate in my own head how much of my work is right. This is the nuts and bolts of what we contracted to do, mm. and this is the stuff that I'm doing that that is the nice to have, the the stuff that I think makes us memorable. Before doing this time tracking thing, it was all one and the same for me, right? I was working yeah. on a contract for X client, and it didn't. I yeah. hadn't really sort of separated, but now I have done. Um, it gives me more visibility of of just how much time I'm apportioning to each of those things, and I think I need to do a lot more business development, and I think I need to do a lot more of the above and beyond stuff, and I think I personally need to do a lot less of the execution of of current contracts. Right. right. Yeah. No. That, that that seems to be quite a common theme of a lot of business owners. Right. Is you get stuck in in the you know the action of your business and you don't focus on the business development stuff. In fact, you know, seeing your pie chart makes me believe that I should be trying to do this as well. You know, if I were to break down the amount of time that I spend doing you know finance and accounting stuff versus business development versus you know actually doing coding. In my case, that's my day job. Um, I think that I would probably find a terrifying amount of, you know, the, the nuts and bolts works, which is not really moving the business forward yeah. enough, right? Um, so that, I guess that kind of leads us on to to something else that we really want to talk about in this episode, which is um, uh, time management and how do you how do you make sure that the time that you're allocating to work is is used as productively as possible. So this is my favorite topic, right? Productivity as a whole is one of my favorite things to talk about. And that is not because I'm particularly good at it, right? So I would say I'm pretty much uh, recovering. I'm in the process of recovering from being just a major stress head. I've always been guilty of that. You know, that feeling of sort of low level anxiety and dread where you don't feel fully across everything that you're supposed to be doing. Even those moments where you think, do you know what, I've, I've, I've done really well. I, I feel like I'm ahead of where I need to be. And then someone reminds you of something. You get an email or a notification saying, where's this thing that you completely forgotten about? And it just punctures that good feeling. Mm. I'd say most business owners kind of feel the same way, at least some of the time. And the way we always articulate this feeling to ourselves is like this. We say there's too much to do and there's not enough time. Yeah, 
right? And it's it's yep. that's the mantra. The problem with that mantra is, first of all, it's bollocks. Uh, but secondly, that that perspective itself is fundamentally stressful, right? Because you can't create more time. You can't always get rid of stuff you feel you have to do. So what you end up doing is is you start sacrificing. So you sacrifice your non-work time. You sacrifice sleep time. You sacrifice your social life. You sacrifice, essentially, you sacrifice your own happiness and well-being. And the one thing that it took me far too long to learn is that it's it's not true. It's not always that there is too much to do. It's not that there is not enough time. More often than not, it's about three things. It's about clarity, mm-hmm. it's about scale, and it's about trust. What I haven't said is it's about finding the right tool, okay. right? Because there's this temptation to sort of chase the shiny new thing and just think, oh, if I, if I just try this different task management software, everything will be better. Or this person seems to be really switched on and they use Asana, so maybe I should use Asana mm-hmm. and then all my problems will be fixed. It's just, I mean, it's bollocks. There is no magic tool. We're going to come, I'm going to talk about tools when we talk about trust. Yeah. Um, but I just want to talk about the clarity and the scale first. Mm. So clarity, what I mean by clarity is the art of knowing exactly what you need to do, how you're going to do it, and by when. Mm-hmm. So that's the clarity. Because uh, when you don't fully know something, or if you only have half the information that you need, it's pretty stressful. Mm-hmm. And despite that, despite us knowing that intuitively, we all put those tasks on our task list anyway. So, for example, if I have a client that's running an event and they say to me, um, we need your help promoting it, but I don't know the details of that event. I don't know what's happening. I don't know who's invited. I don't know when it's happening. I don't know how people register or get tickets. I don't know how much they are. Mm-hmm. I don't know when we need to start promoting or what other marketing is happening. If I don't know any of that stuff, what is the point of me putting promote client X? event on my task list Mm. there's just absolutely no point it's just going to sit there it's going to stare at me day in day out because i can't make any progress and it's just going to sit there getting further and further overdue and it's going to stress me out yeah okay it's almost it's one of those things where you don't know what you don't know Exactly. So, so none of it works. The, the task itself has no clarity, so it's stressful. Yep. You don't know how long it's going to take, so your estimations of how much time you need to apportion to it are wrong. And it's, it's just going to get... You, you can't progress it, okay? It just sits there. Yeah. And the point about clarity is, is not that um, you don't put that stuff on your task list. It's about what is your real task. So for me, at that moment... My, my real task isn't promote client X's event. It's get some clarity about client X's event, mm-hmm. right? So I need to find out what I need to know. I need to set aside some time to discover that information. I need to set aside some time to craft that into a project plan. And then I need to add those tasks to my task list, yeah. right? So my task might be write a list of questions for client X. It yep. might be find out these details about the event. Yep. Email client with these details. You know, it's the it, and I can do that, right? I can progress that. Yep. It's simple. Clarity. The art of knowing exactly what you need to do, how you're going to do it, and by when. So that leads us on to point number two, which is scale. So scale is something that you hear a lot in productivity circles, which is the art of breaking down your task into manageable chunks. Mm-hmm. because we're all guilty of putting enormous tasks on our list, even if you have clarity over it. If you put too big a task, a mammoth, gargantuan task on your list, like, for example, promote event, even if I have the clarity and have 
every, all the information I need, promote event is too big. It yeah. can't be done. It's too big. It's stressful. And we do it all the time. So you'll see things on people's task list like uh, sort out moving house, choose a school for my kid, mm-hmm. plan out social media content for my business. Yeah. Right? It's just that they're, they're too big, but we put them on our task list because you go, well, that's something I need to do. Best note that down in case I forget mm-hmm. that I need to pick a school or move house. So you put it on there. And it, again, it just sits there because how do you progress it? So once you've got one of those big tasks, this is it's it's really about noticing when you have those two big chunks on your list and then figuring out how to break them down into smaller actionable chunks. And a lot of the times for me, if there's something on my task list that I keep putting off or I keep postponing or I just extend the deadline on it a little bit or sometimes when I, I think, right, I really need to tackle that, I just get that sinking feeling in my heart. A lot of the times you can overcome that by taking that task and breaking it down. Mm. So I don't I don't really want to do X, Y, or Z. But if I think about X, Y, or Z, the very first thing I need to do is send an email to this person and ask the, these questions. Or the very first thing I need to do is make a decision on this one small aspect of the task. Right. Those feel a lot more manageable and you can do those and you feel better once you've done them and it gets you a little bit further towards right. actually achieving the bigger goal. Um, so it's not always just about how you manage your time. Sometimes it's it's a motivational thing as well, right? Because it, it gives you that little boost that you've done something towards the larger goal yeah. that you, you know, feels either insurmountable or you dread. Um, and it gives you that little little bit burst of energy. Right. So, and I, and I think that's a great takeaway, like what you just said there. So it's worth saying again, you know, if, if there are things that have been sitting on your to-do list for too long and you keep realizing that you push them off and off and off, then it's probably an indication that it just needs more clarity. Break it down a little bit into smaller chunks. You're going to feel happier and you're actually going to make progress. Yeah, exactly. You need more clarity and you need to get the scale right. Yeah. They're the first two lessons. Okay. Okay. Trust. Trust. Trust is my favorite. The rule is this. No task management system, none, whether it's Asana, whether it's Trello, whether it's writing your notes down in a notebook or having scraps of paper everywhere, no system will ever work unless you have 100% trust and confidence in it. So what I mean by this is the most important thing is not the system that you use, but how you use it. And you need to figure out a way of making sure that you have complete faith in whatever system you use. So let's let's work this through. So I use Asana. That doesn't mean everyone else needs to use Asana. You can use whatever, it doesn't matter. But I need to have complete faith that every time I look at Asana, I've captured everything that I need to do and it's on there in a way that is clear and at the right scale and that lets me take some of the stress off my own shoulders and put it on Asana's shoulders. So can I just uh, test my own understanding of that? By trust, you're not really talking about, you know, whether the system is, I don't know, buggy or loses things or or, or whatever. You're really talking about uh, scope. It needs to cover everything because if it doesn't cover everything, then you're going to have this little gremlin in the back of your mind going, oh, this is this is incomplete or this is inaccurate what I'm looking at. Yep. Is that what you mean by trust? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because every tool, whatever it is, it falls down the second you, you no longer have full confidence in it. Okay. Um, and the biggest problem that, that people make, and this was my problem for a number of years, is having too many tools on the go at one time. Mm-hmm. So 
I'll have Asana and then I'll have my notebook and then I'll occasionally set up a Trello board for specific yeah. projects. And then I'll have other things that just exist in my head that occur to me and I think, oh, yeah, I need to remember to do that. Yeah. Now, at that point, if I'm sitting there with the stress levels rising and bile creeping up my throat thinking, what the fuck do I do first? Where do I turn? Yeah. That you, you just you can't turn anywhere, so you lose faith in all of them. Yeah. So you just accept that you have that low level of stress, and that you just have to fight your way through and try and just hope that you're not missing stuff. Yeah. So the trick is then you need to put a system in place that keeps everything either in one place or in a limited number of places, and as you say, the scope needs to be wide enough. So, yeah. and it doesn't matter what your tool is. This is my point. If if you work better with handwritten lists then you just need to make sure that wherever you go, you've got a way of writing down things as they crop up, right? That's yep. It's that simple. And so for Asana, and the way I use Asana is that I have a widget set up on the screen of my phone, the home screen of my phone. And if something, if I remember something and I realize that there's something I need to do, then I just add a task to Asana on the home screen of my phone. Or right. if an email comes through, I'll just forward it to Asana. Right. Right. It's, so I'm just making sure that I have this one place where... I'm not relying on my own shoulders and my own brain to keep track of everything. Yeah. It's all going into one place that then I can make sense of. Then I can get clarity. Then I can get scale. And I know that I've got trust in that system so it's going to work for me. Yeah. Right? So I, I, I love this because one of the biggest things that I'm focused on as a business is all of my customers execute essentially a, a process. It's a pretty standardized process. It's a project that happens again and again and again. It follows a template. And what we find from everybody that we speak to, it's all just in people's heads. Yeah. Right? And, and you know, Joe does it slightly different from Claire, um, who does it slightly different from Steve. Right? Yeah. And it is written down on some wiki that nobody's ever looked at in 10 years. So no trust whatsoever <laughs> in the wiki, right? And then somebody says, oh, I tell you what, let's have a spreadsheet. And then there's a spreadsheet sitting on Joe's computer that nobody else has access to, yeah, right? And then she goes on holiday and nobody can update it. And, and therefore you lose confidence in the spreadsheet, right? So precisely what you're talking about is, is something I face on a, on a day-to-day basis with our customers. I see the pain that they go through trying to juggle these things. It's particularly true when you've got a lot of projects on the go. Yeah, sure. Okay. So if I'm going to break it down, what are the takeaway lessons from this then? So for personal productivity, I think it comes down to three tasks. First task is to decide how you're going to capture stuff you have to do and where it's going to live. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's your tool of choice? I love Asana. Other people love Trello. I kind of I I don't care. what people use the important thing is you're able to capture your task and that's where they live right so you have complete faith complete confidence in that and then the second thing is getting clarity on what those tasks are yep so exactly what you need to do how you're going to do and by when and then third is the scale the breaking it down into manageable chunks and if you do those three things like that just that general low level anxiety and stress and dread just it just fades away and it's a beautiful feeling zen like zen like i mean obviously then you need to do the work right yeah there's <laughs> no point just which, just recording all this stuff you actually need to do it which is which is the vast majority of what you've done uh this week yeah according exactly. to a pie chart so. exactly so there we go personal awesome. productivity nailed That's some good some good advice some good advice <laughs> 
Okay, so it's time to harness some of David's rage and social media prowess and to put it to good use. This is a segment where we take a piece of social media and put it under the microscope. So I wanted to hijack this segment uh, this week uh, and actually talk about a piece of social media that I put out. So, um, David, we've talked about my particular area. It's, it's kind of a geeky, nerdy uh, area of financial services, all about APIs. And I tend to be in, so, in a particular niche where there just isn't a lot of information, not a lot of people out there uh, talking about fixed APIs. So when there is, then I want to try to join the conversation, right? And my question for you really is, is around um, whether the persona that I should adopt is my usual cheerful, helpful persona, or should, should it be a little bit more radical, right? And and in particular, there was um, a tweet that I put out uh, just a couple of days ago. There was a, an article posted in a magazine uh, by some people who are essentially promoting membership of this industry body. And for the longest time, I've had a bit of beef with this industry body because I never really saw what you got for your membership. Yep. And so I took I took a little bit of issue with that. So really... My question to you is, I came in a little bit bullish there, uh, a little bit aggressive, perhaps. Um, in terms of establishing your social media persona, what sort of advice would you give people? Right. What's the question here? Is the question, do I need to be more aggressive? Or not? I, I have to point out, I think I think our understandings of the word bullish probably here are quite different. I think the way I would be bullish is probably wildly different to the way you would. Okay. I imagine you say bullish, but actually you've been quite firm and polite. Yes, firm and polite, not swearing. Right, I, I, okay. I, I, I am not swearing, that's true. Yeah, okay. So I think there's a number of aspects to this. So firstly is the question of what is it you're trying to do with your social media, right? Are you trying to build a personal brand? Are you trying to raise the profile of fixed spec? Like, like what, what's what's the purpose behind this account? I think we're talking about a Twitter account here, right? Yeah, so it's a, it's a Twitter account. And, and re- really the, the idea here is to uh, generally raise our profile yep. to say that we are people who have something interesting to say, which which I believe is true. <laughs> we're, not, we're not just saying it for the sake of talking, right? We, we genuinely have an opinion. Um, which is which is a little bit different. So we're we're yeah, looking okay. for people to identify us as being people to come and have a chat to. Yeah, cool. Okay. So your positioning in that case then needs to be if your if your golden rules then are you're about challenging the status quo. Mm-hmm. Um, you're about being a little bit different to everyone else. You're about being interesting, still adding value, and being approachable and friendly. Yep. Then the challenge then is how can you do all of those in one go? Right, so some of this is about understanding the prevailing sentiment around an issue. You, you, the, the listeners won't be able to see me, but essentially, if you talk to anybody about this industry body, they just kind of roll their eyes and just go, oh, okay. There are some people who are 100% into it, yep. and the other 99.99% of people just roll their eyes and just go, don't, don't understand, don't understand. Yeah, fine. Indifference as opposed to hatred. Yeah, okay, <laughs> right? okay. So, so what value is that then in being quite bullish about the issue of membership fees? Okay, so if ninety nine percent of people kind of feel the same way, then you picking a fight with somebody over the issue of membership fees when one person has like the moral defence of a team of volunteers run this, and mm. it's you know you guys are all making money, so like against that it's it goes back to the punching up versus punching down right what are you doing you punching down against a team of embattled and embittered volunteers that are giving up their family time 
to make all this stuff happen? Or are you punching up against the commercial side of a project that's trying to extract five figures out of everyone so they can do a, a, an annual away day to Boston and eat lobster roll? Right, What's which direction are you punching? It's, it's, that's a great question to ask. Um, I feel like I am punching up yep. because the people who are uh, speaking in that in that uh, article were actually people who are directors of the company, don't actually do any of this work themselves. They don't sit on the working committees. They don't do any. They're not one of the army of volunteers. However, the the article itself suggests that, you know, everybody in this organization is hard done by and not really, you know, we can't really afford anything. Yet you look at their accounts and they're sitting on a large pot of cash. Yeah, sure. Okay. So I would... I would think about it in terms of what's my approach? What what do I want to look like in my interactions on this, right? Do I want to look antagonistic? Do I want to look hilarious? Do I want to look meek and supplicant? Or or what? You know, what's what's the approach you want to take? And whichever approach you want to take, my advice is always the same. Go hard and go ridiculous. Okay. Right. So if you want to be if you want to pick a fight then just pick a fight. <laughs> right, I just, I don't, but it, it needs to be like a conscious decision that this is the right strategy for you, okay, before you do it. Like, I don't, I don't see any value in sort of nicely picking a fight. I just, I, I don't, okay. don't know what the point Which is. Which is essentially what I tried to do. Yeah, so. Nicely pick a fight. So I, I didn't, I didn't aggressively pick a fight. <laughs> I mean, maybe I, this is terrible advice. I don't know. I just, it feels like, so part of the goal with social media is you want to be memorable, right? okay. but you want to be remembered for the right things. Yeah. So if if you are 100% confident that you're punching up, right, then and 99% of your audience are similarly rolling their eyes, then then just go hard, right? That's mm. that, that's what I would do. Um, this is a lot easier to do when it's when those directions are a lot clearer. So a lot of my social media is punching up against you know the government yeah. <laughs> or, or whoever whoever happens to have annoyed me this week, right? Um, and that's quite clear. I'm I'm only punching up in that regard, right? Yeah. Um, when it's a little unclear, you need to tread more carefully. Yeah, but I think the the rule still applies. Like, and if you decide that the way you're going to approach this is by being hilarious, then go go all in. Uh, right? I, I think by now you've worked out that I cannot be a hilarious. <laughs> I, honestly, I don't know about that. So, <laughs> the vast majority of my jokes miss the target. Honestly, if our listeners heard some of your comments that have ended up on the cutting room floor, <laughs> <laughs> we have to sanitize your hilarity. Yeah, for, all right. for general okay. broadcast. Um, but I do. I just think you need to. You need to go all in on this stuff, right? Um, and yeah, you know, if you're going to be meek and supplicant about it, then just do then it what, properly. Then, then what's the point? Yeah. Well, a little bit of what's the point, especially if that's you know, like snivelling to the people in charge just feels you know, if I leave a bad taste in my mouth. But um, but there is value in it. Like if if you sit, I'm a. I think there's real value in authentic praise where authentic praise otherwise gets forgotten. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think there's power for that in social media as well. So I, I try, I'm hilariously bad at this because I always forget, but I, I try. And when I remember, I think I do it quite well. But if I see someone doing a good job, I really try and point it out to them. Yeah. And point it out in a way that isn't sort of, 
you know, pathetic and sniveling, but he's genuine and meaningful because I think that's important. Um, but it's the same rule. You just go all in with it. Yeah. So I think for you, the broader question, what are you trying to do with your social media? What's your personality? Which direction are you punching and what's your approach? Answer all of those things and then go hard. Okay. Does that help? An awful lot to think about there. So uh, (laughs) please, everybody follow my social media uh, to see whether I actually managed to pull this off. (laughs) So it's Chris underscore Lees or at Fixbeck. So I don't want to monopolize this section anymore. We really do want to hear from you guys. So if there's anybody out there who's seen something interesting on social media and you'd like to have David pick it apart in exactly the same way as he just picked apart my efforts, uh, then please do email it to us. It's uh, podcast at impactbiz.co.uk or uh, tweet us at foundersanonpod um, and we'll we'll take a look at it next week. Thank you very much, David. Cool. So that's it for this week. Uh, remember, you can re- uh, message the podcast by emailing podcast at impactbiz.co.uk. Tell us about your social media things that you found uh, that you'd like us to have a look at. Uh, tell us about any issues that you're facing as a, as a small business owner, and hopefully we'll be able to break them down as well. And don't forget to subscribe and review our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred player. We'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Founders Anonymous is an impact and fixed back production. Mm-hmm.